We want to uh, continue our uh, study of Romans. By the way, this will be the final teaching from Romans. And there's not going to be a graduation. There's not going to be a certificate. There won't even be a uh, coming together and saying, we're done throwing our hats and, and giving a cheer. We're done with Romans. This course, I forgot to tell you at the very beginning, is a life course. And I trust that your interest has been piqued to that degree, that this has been an experience in going through Romans. I think I have learned more than the rest of you. Certainly, the Lord has spoken to me many times as I've gone through Romans, knowing how much more I need to know about him and his ways. And that, I think, should be the motivation of all of our hearts who are followers of Jesus Christ. There's only one graduation, and that is when we have been brought into the presence of God and surrounding the throne worshiping the Lamb. And our studies, our toils on earth are finished. But I think we will continue to drink in all of who God is throughout eternity. That's how immense he is in terms of the wealth and the riches of what he has shared with us so so small in Scripture. But we think, well, it was it's too overwhelming. No, that's just a slice of knowledge and understanding. We've got much more ahead of us. And we get to do it, all of us, together. Let's continue in this study. And I've titled it According To, because toward the end of this book, Paul uses those words three times. And you remember, Paul is very significant in his style by repeating, repeating phrases. And we picked that out as we went through the study of Romans, where he kept repeating certain phrases or words for us to to get it. It, So it would just be dinned into our brains, our hearts. Let's read not the whole chapter, but I picked out some things that I would like us to uh, consider. Romans 16, verses 1 to 27. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, which is at sin. I practiced this about 10 times. Come on. (laughs) Sencria. Say it with me. Sencria. Okay. Thank you. That you receive her, Phoebe, in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many, and of myself as well. Wow, what kind of a woman was she? Incredible. A helper. One that came alongside. Paul did not have a wife that we know of. And this woman was not his 
like a wife, but she was a helper. She was an easer. That makes it easier for a man to do his work when he has a good woman at his side. That's a recommendation for marriage, by the way. But anyway, Phoebe was an easer. She was a helper. That's what easer means. And that's what Eve was to be to Adam, right? She probably is the one who carried the letter of Romans that Paul had written to the Christians in Rome. Now, I don't know what... It wasn't on a cell phone. It wasn't on bound up in a book, I don't think. But it must have been some pretty hefty, heavy or awkward books to be able to carry the distance from Sancria to Rome. Can you imagine that? This woman doing this for the church at Rome. And that's all we know about Phoebe. I commend to you our sister Phoebe. Indicates that she was presenting something of value to the Roman Christians. And this book has become lauded as a book in the New Testament that everyone should read and study and understand because it is very basic to basic Christian living. And that's what Paul was giving to the Roman Christians. Verses 3 to 16 are a lot of names that Paul lists there. And as you already know, I don't pronounce names very well or strange words, but most of the names that we read through there, and we're not going to read that passage, by the way, there were over 24 people who are personally mentioned in this letter. Now, you'd say, well, there are a few comments about them, but by and large, we don't know other than the greetings. So why would this be included in the Bible? Well, I'll tell you what. We are going to meet some of those people. We are going to spend eternity with those people listed there. I'm sure of that. Now, would that make you go back and read through that list just so that when you get to heaven, you oh, um, rightly remember your name, nor can I pronounce it. But I think you're a friend of Paul, right? We are going to be with these people. That's one reason why it's included, that we know that there are others there who were beloved, precious, precious people. And we think that we've met a lot of people here at MCC. We haven't even started to understand the glory of the body of Christ and those who will be around the throne. That's what we have to look forward to. Those people, I would love to have been one of them. To be reading Paul's letter and see the context of it. Because as you know, in looking at some of the references and the background of this book and how it was written, there's not a lot that we know about Romans, the Roman church. Let's move on. Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances 
contrary to the teaching which you learned and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Jesus Christ, but of their own appetites, or the word is lusts. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. For the report of your obedience has reached to all. Therefore, I am rejoicing over you, and I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. Paul, at the very end of his letter, gets very pointed, very critical, and understanding that this is a church that is going to have to be careful of dissensions and teachings that are not according to Scripture. He has a true heart as a missionary. He has a true heart as an apostle. He has a true heart as a brother in Christ to see someone turned away from the gospel and given something else that does not feed the soul, does not bring to us the understanding of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us. We have to come down hard on this. Paul was accused, as I think I've mentioned before, of, well, he really can come down hard on when he writes you a letter. But when he gets there, he's just kind of meek and weak. But Paul had a heart for the Lord. And his understanding was that he was called of God to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And if the Jewish people didn't get it straight, how could the Gentiles get it straight? Because they're once removed from the old teachings. And much of what Paul talked about, he went back to the Old Testament. And I have mentioned this before as well. I thank the Lord that he brought our sister Makiko to to teach us, to lead us through the Old Testament survey. That is number one. Romans is way down the line, really. And what we're getting in the Old Testament is basic foundation for what Paul is talking about. And so we have to understand it. And I've told you before, this book is only one book. Oh, yes, it does have an Old Testament and a New Testament, but it is one. It is integrated together. And all that was written before Christ and the cross has great meaning and significance for all that was written later. And you can't say, well, I really don't understand the Old Testament. Good, then get into it and understand it and ask the Holy Spirit to give you understanding that this is pointing to Christ. That one understanding will open up the Old Testament to you. Particularly when you're going through some of the names and lists and things that seem to, oh, you're falling asleep. No, there's significance to it. Keep going. Keep digging. Keep understanding. Don't give up. Don't be those that, well, I just like the New Testament. And especially I like John. Yes, 
The New Testament is glorious. John is glorious. But if you don't have the Old Testament, you really do not understand the book of John or the New Testament. I'm sorry. And I'm not even a college professor. Get it, folks. Get it. That the Old Testament is a treasure to us. And we need to value it and hold it in our hearts and study it and understand it and ask questions. Be searching. That's a true disciple. Paul is warned here. I want you to be wise. I want you to be wise. Wisdom. Seek it. That's what the whole book of Proverbs is basically about, is gaining wisdom. I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. And then he says to the Roman Christians at the end of his letter, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. That's the second benediction in the book of Romans. There's one more, by the way. We'll talk about that later. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. What is Paul talking about? I believe that he is referring to our daily walk in Christ. Where do we have the crushing of Satan? What reference can come to your mind? Genesis 3.15. When Satan will wound the promised Savior in the heel, but that promised son, through Adam, through Abraham, Jesus himself will crush Satan. But Jesus had already died when this word was written. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. You know what I believe it is? He's capsulizing everything that he taught us in Romans. That we are in Jesus Christ. And the real victory over the enemy was done on the cross. It was completed. And then the Holy Spirit was given to us after Jesus had ascended. What is Paul talking about here? When is that crushing? Under your feet. It's when we live the life of Christ in the place that he puts us. And we crush it. I am following Jesus Christ. He is in me. I will not give way to the spirits that come against me in discouragement or in lies or abuse or whatever it is that's thrown at us. We are in Christ and we are, as Paul said, more than conquerors. I think that's what he's referring to. The whole concept, the whole idea of what Romans is about is about we being in Christ. Now, does that mean that I never sin anymore? I'm perfect? Well, as your pastor, it doesn't mean that. I face temptation every day. 
just like you do. We all have to stand in the same way in which the apostles, those who we look to, Abraham, Moses, David, Daniel, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, all believers had to go that way. And we, as well, need to walk that way. And that's what this verse is about. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Bless you. In verses 21 to 24, Paul is sending greetings from his companions. And these companions were faithful friends who were traveling with him, providing for his ministry. It was his ministry team. And ministry teams are very, very significant and important in the body of Christ. Without really being understanding of what the significance of our gifts and our place in a ministry team, we will not be effective. We need to learn how to submit one to another. We need to learn how to walk with one another. It's like harmony. And the worship team was up here. I was listening for the harmony, for the not just the harmony, but also the difference in the voices. It's, a, it's significant. We need to understand that it wasn't just an accident where God just took a bunch of uh, people and threw them up in the air and they all landed at MCC. No, that's not the way it happened. I don't know why you are here or how you even got here or why you even call this your home church. But it wasn't your decision, really. It was the direction of the Holy Spirit in bringing you here. Together, a bunch of us can bring together the body of Christ functioning in joints and marrow, doing and accomplish what God has for us. And you know, the body of Christ is incredible. And when we get together around the throne, all the junk around us is just going to fall away and we're going to see the true heart and we are going to enjoy it. Let's keep going. And now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested, shown. And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, leading to obedience of faith and to the only wise God. Through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. Amen. That, by the way, is my outline. In that last portion there. First point is, this is point one introduction according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ and then he says according to the revelation of the mystery and then according to the commandment of the eternal God in the next few minutes we are going to flash through this very quickly and I well I hope I won't 
stop and make comments. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Paul and Jesus, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, Paul says. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That's what Paul said. That was his gospel. What did Jesus say? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. What is connecting these two verses? Very same gospel. Nothing divergent. Same gospel. Paul and Jesus. Jesus and Paul. Preaching, teaching the same thing. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then Jesus says, John 8.24, For unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Very clear. We are all sinners. We all have committed not crimes that we may have be put in jail for, but we know that our hearts are not just and pure and right, but only that Jesus Christ, unless we believe that I am, we will die in our sins. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's Paul's gospel. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. That's the gospel. Point two, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past and now is manifested, what's the revelation of the mystery? Everyone loves a mystery. One of the things that we love to do with our grandchildren is play hide the thimble or hide the Lego. And the joy of children to find that little object, it makes us happy and it fills them with glee and happiness. And we all love mystery. But a mystery doesn't mean it's hidden forever. I mean, sometimes grandpa, when he, me, when I hide something, I really hide it. <laughs> and they never find it. And the problem is that in my old age, I can't remember where I put it. No. But the mystery is about, not about hiding. What is it about? Finding, finding it. That is what mystery is about. It's something being revealed revealed. God wasn't up there just hiding the gospel from us. No. Like what I said, it's, it's here. The secret is here. That's where we find it. Exodus 12. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, on the tenth of this month, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves. Now this is talking about the uh, Jewish people the sons of Abraham in Egypt where they had grown up as a nation and God was about to send them back to the promised land. 
On the tenth of this month, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves according to their father's households, a lamb for each household. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it, their personal lamb, at twilight. Okay, I've highlighted tenth of the month. That's very significant. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat. Now you shall eat it in this manner, with your loins girded about, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. Hurry up and eat it. Eat your food. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. Question. What is today? I mean, today. we. Palm Sunday. Okay, we call it Palm Sunday. What happened on Palm Sunday? Okay. Now, you're giving me New Testament feedback. But this is Old Testament we're talking about. The Lord's Passover. That's in the Old Testament. On a certain day, which day were they to choose a lamb? The tenth day. Let's just call that day choosing the lamb day. Everybody went out. Oh, this one is so cute. How much do I have to pay for it? Or maybe they even raised themselves. They loved that lamb. And they knew that that lamb was going to be the Passover lamb. Wow. Oh, you know, I was raised on the farm and I can understand raising an animal and falling in love with it. But you know what? On our farm and on their farm, you had to kill that lamb. You had to kill that animal. Sometimes with your own hands. I am the Lord, he says. That was the Lord's Passover. And that was when they, that night they, they left Egypt and went and headed out into the wilderness to go to Israel, to the land of promise. Okay? Palm Sunday. Let's get this right now. Final Passover in John 12. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Okay? We know that story, I think, that Lazarus had died and was raised again from the dead. So they made him a supper there. Martha was serving, but Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Mary then took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples who was intending to betray him, said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to poor people? Now he said this not because he was concerned about the poor but because he was a thief And as he had the 
money purse or money box. He used to pilfer or steal what was put into it. Therefore, Jesus said, let her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. And on the next day, the large crowd who had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took the branches of the palm trees and went out to meet him and began to shout, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany. And on that next day, there was a large crowd. Okay, what day was it when Jesus came in to Jerusalem on a donkey? What day was that? And they were shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna! Five days before the Passover. That was the tenth day. That was the choosing of the Lamb Day. Yeah, we call it Palm Sunday because they waved palm branches. Why did they wave palm branches? Because that's what they did when the king came into town with the captives that he had conquered out in war. But Jesus, the Lamb of God, came into Jerusalem on the choosing of the Lamb Day. And the Pharisees and the rulers of the temple said, Jesus, make your people shut up. Make them be quiet. They didn't want them to know what that day was. It was the choosing of the Lamb Day. And then the day that Jesus was crucified was on Passover. The perfect Lamb of God. All those lambs, all those animals that were killed in the Old Testament point to Jesus Christ. Third point is by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all nations, leading to obedience of faith. The commandment, I believe, that is being talked about here, goes all the way back to Abraham. Genesis 17:1. Now when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Be holy. Be without sin. That was the commandment. Did Abraham do that? Did he fulfill that command? Uh Uh-uh. None of us have. Although he was a great man of faith and believed in what God had told him, yet he was not perfect. And that's what Paul was talking about in Romans. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. In Romans 4:22 to 25, Paul says this, therefore it was also credited to Abram 
as righteousness. As righteousness. In other words, Abram, blameless? You know what? You know what? He was. He was. But not on his own merit. Not by what he did. But by that acknowledgement of God's way. And he took his son. God said to him, take your son Isaac up to the mountain and offer him to me. And Isaac, I don't know how old he was, 10, 12, 8, I don't know, said, Dad, we have the wood and we have the fire, but where's the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? And wise old Abraham said, God will provide for himself. And you remember the story that Abraham built an altar there, laid Isaac on it, tied him up, and was about to plunge a knife into him to kill him, to be a sacrifice. And the angel of the Lord stopped him said no. And at that moment, there was that ram caught in the brush, in the bushes, by its horns. And if you've seen an eastern uh, ram, they had these curly horns. They could easily get caught in a bush. And this, this ram was caught by accident, I'm sure. No, it wasn't an accident. It was planned. And we believe that at that spot, you know what mountain that was, right? What, what was the mountain? Moriah. Mount Moriah. Where is Mount Moriah? Well, there's a Mount Moriah down in Naganokin, but it's not that one. It might have been named after that, by the way, because there was some Christians many, many, many years ago in that place. No, Mount Moriah is Jerusalem. Well, we believe that the very place Abraham offered Isaac was the very place where Jesus Christ hung on a cross. Wow! This book is integrated. It is, it holds together. Believe it, receive it. Romans 4, 22 to 25. Therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness. Now, not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him. But for our sake also, to whom it will be credited as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our being perfect, without sin, blameless. Our justification. It's a long word. But that's where we stand as believers. That's the rock-solid truth of the Word of God. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, confess Him with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, you shall be saved. Saved meaning you shall enter into an agreement 
with the Father concerning the Son, that the Son's blood has cleansed you from all sin, past, present, and future. That is the gospel. And there's no other gospel than that. This book teaches that as the gospel. And anybody who changes it or diminishes from it is to be accursed. We want to be careful about the gospel. Very critical. This is Psalm 118. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, do save, we beseech you. Hosanna. Hosanna does not mean hallelujah. It does not mean praise the Lord. It means Lord, save us. Directly taken from Psalm 118. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. The people following and and cheering Jesus on as he entered Jerusalem on the choosing the Lamb day were speaking from Psalm 118. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the Lord's doing. We will be glad in it. We will rejoice in it. I have to add this. Later that day, when Jesus, when the, the Pharisees were, were telling Jesus, stop these people, what are you, why are you letting them do this? And Jesus said, have you never read the stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? Right out of Psalm 118. This is the day that the Lord has made. And of course, each day is made by our Father, and we live in rejoicing. But I love the fact that when we sing this song, if we really remember, this was talking about the choosing the Lamb day, chosen to die for us. <laughs> 